It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Kicking off a busy day sports-wise here in central Illinois. We're with you until 11 o'clock this morning. The sports doctors, Dr. Tate, Dr. Kelly, <laughs> if you folks have any frustrations you'd like to share with us on Illinois football or basketball, we will take your calls, 356-9397. Illini basketball team in action this afternoon, volleyball in action this afternoon. There's a lot going on over on that part of campus today, Mr. Tate. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that volleyball has relieved some of the tensions and disappointment of the football and basketball season so far. I, I just think that uh, there's, there's a chance to concentrate on something that's very positive, and, and uh, I'm optimistic about today as well. I think it has relieved some of the tensions for some. Not uh, <laughs> No, that's right. Not all for certain, uh, but uh, number three, Illinois, yesterday, uh, sweep of Marquette to uh, win their 16th straight match and now 31-3 and on the season. That was followed by Wisconsin's three-match um, sweep of a three-set sweep of San Diego. The Badgers are 24-6, and so those two teams will meet for the third time. Interesting stat that uh, they split the season series, each winning on the other's home court. Yeah, I, I can't uh, speak to the one up there. I saw the one here, and, and uh, Wisconsin really came on strong at the end and, and – made it very difficult for me to figure out how the, how Illinois is going to win up at Wisconsin with the disadvantage up there of, of their home court, but they did. So it's 1-1, and now they're back here. And this is a team on a 16-game winning streak, so um, I don't think they're uh, I don't think they're too concerned. Well, they're obviously concerned about how good Wisconsin is, but I think they're very confident at this point. Well, when uh, Wisconsin came in here and won, and then uh, 10 days later, Illinois went up there and won. So that was early in the the beginning of this, what yeah. this turned into a 16-match uh, streak. Yeah, and teams change uh, during the course of a season. And what we're seeing right now, I think, where Poulter has always been great. She's just maybe the best quarterback in volleyball in the country for all I know. I, I You know, not having seen them all, I know she's just magical with her touch and the way she sets everybody up and the way she keeps the defense because sometimes she hits it behind her head, you know, to a, to a – to a kill shot behind her, or sometimes she goes forward, sometimes she sets short in the middle, and, and it's, that's really a devastating uh, uh, approach there. Uh, I think that uh, she is she is the secret. I mean, you c I don't know how they're going to replace her next year. That's, that's really going to be difficult. But the other one that, that seems to me that's come on stronger toward the end is Quaid, who is, uh, is only 6'2", but she flies, and she's hitting with enormous power. And um, I think she's been... She's not, you know, Poulter and Bastianelli are uh, seniors, but uh, Quaid is a junior, and boy, she's really good. She's, she's become, uh, she's had 12 kills last night, but she had a bunch of them in the first game that set the tone for the match. We are into the uh, Elite Eight now for volleyball. Here are today's quarterfinals. Illinois and Wisconsin, Oregon, 
against Nebraska. Don't go skipping over that too fast. No, I won't. You see who Oregon beat? Minnesota. Uh, the next match that Illinois would play is in will be in Minneapolis, but it won't be against Minnesota because Minnesota got upset last night. So there's th- three teams uh, out of the Big Ten still alive there. Texas will take on BYU, Penn State against Stanford. Yeah, who's coaching Stanford? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Hambly is the head man at Stanford, and his team is ranked uh, number one in the country. So that'll be interesting with uh, today's winners going to the Final Four. Wouldn't it be something if they finally got to the championship in Illinois against Stanford? Thomas against Hambly? There'd be a few storylines there, Ooh. wouldn't there? Yeah. At, at least as far as uh, the communities here and there. I don't know if the nation would care too much about that, but it certainly would be a interesting storyline. Three, five, six, well, nine, three. You know, I, I think they pick up on it just like they do on golf. When, when the golf team's good, even though people aren't seeing them, right. uh, they're playing somewhere else. Uh, I think, the, I think it's, it's uplifting for the fandom. I think it is. We'll talk uh, Illinois football, basketball, whatever else you want to talk about. Volleyball, certainly. 356-9397 is the phone number. We'll hear some comments from uh, Brad Underwood and some of the basketball guys, Trent Frazier and Georgie uh, Bashanasvili as well, coming up on the show as they get set to take on UNLV this afternoon at 1 o'clock at the State Farm Center. The Illini 2-7 and seven on the season and a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in this ballgame. Well, they got the home court, and uh, you've got a UNLV team that lost to Valparaiso, uh-huh. and that's not very good. I mean, that's uh, they, they've won some – they're four and three, but they lost to Cincinnati and Valpo the last two games, and they lost earlier to uh, somebody. I, I know they – I can't remember who the first – They lost to Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati and Valpo. The yeah. first game they lost to LMU, and I didn't look that up. Loyola Marymount. Okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. LMU. Mm-hmm. And so, and they've got four wins, but none of them are particularly um, impressive. I believe this is their first game away from home. Is that they, right? I think they played Valpo and Cincinnati in Vegas. I'm not they sure. They got a guy by the name of Shakur Justin, who Illinois really tried hard to recruit out of junior college. He went to Hutchinson, and I remember we we thought that we were in on him, and uh, he he chose UNLV. And he's been a force for them. He had 14 points a game last year, and he's averaging just 11 this year. But he's a fierce rebounder, six foot seven jumper that just dominates the board. And he'll be the guy you have to stop. They've they've only got a couple of really top seniors. He's one of them. Clyburn's the other, and Clyburn's averaging about 11.7. But um, this is basically a younger team overall. And they've <laughs> did you see? They've got players. Now listen to this. They got players from Congo, Australia. Cameroon, Senegal, Mali, and Montenegro. <laughs> <laughs> that's, their ro- that's their roster. That's Six of the players on their roster are from places way, way, way from here. Well, they've got uh, some recruiting reach. They apparently. must have. That game got tips off at the State Farm Center. Brian Barnhart, Doug Altenberger on the call today. Deion Thomas doing some television work on the, the uh, ball game today. And so that gets going at 1.00. On our show today, at about 9.30, we'll talk to the latest member of the College Football Hall of Fame, Dana Howard. We've had him on a couple of times uh, this spring and summer and fall, but he was officially inducted earlier this week in New York City. Lou Tepper was there, John Hodlesek was there, Kent Brown, Josh Whitman, they were there, and Kent Brown will join us at the top of the hour to talk about several things, including that. And then about 10.30, we'll go to St. Louis, Tom Ackerman from KMOX, will tell us all about uh, the Paul Goldschmidt trade that the Cardinals pulled off earlier this week. 
we were in Chicago at the uh, basketball game, Lauren, and having a pregame meal when we heard the news on uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Well, that's a big one. That, that puts them back into, as a con- they're already a contender, but this, this makes them even more of a contender. And they didn't have to give up anything essential to the starting, either the starting rotation. I don't think Weaver would have been in the starting rotation. And, uh, and I don't know uh, who's going to be the backup catcher, but I don't, you know, I think they were still looking at that anyway. I mean, we know who the catcher is going to be, right? And uh, so I, I think that uh, without giving up too much, they got an all-star first baseman. And a gold glove first baseman. And I'm, I should mention there's another infielder by the name of Young and also a second-round draft pick. But yeah. But what I'm saying is that the team that they put out on the field will not be affected by the people they lost. No, and I'd say that their starting eight are probably on campus now, so to speak. They're probably there. Tell I, me who the right fielder is while you're well, at Well, it would be, I'd say Fowler gets the first shot. Yeah. You can argue with me on that if you want. Uh, I can't saying, argue with you, but I'm, I'm not I'm, saying it's the best shot. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I, you know, people have made comebacks before. Sure. I, would, I gave up on him last year, but uh, he deserves another shot to see what he can do. He'll, he'll have to come into spring training on the dead run. That's all. And he's a switch hitter, so that that doesn't that hurt. And uh, of course, you've still got uh, Martinez who played out there a little bit, and uh, O'Neill. You think they'll have Martinez when the season starts? No, but uh, you asked me today, and yeah in December, and he's still in the mix, I guess. And I th- still think they're going to try to acquire a left-handed bat off the bench and then maybe some left-handed help in the bullpen. Where's Harper going to go? Don't know that. Phillies or Dodgers? Phillies. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Dodgers, have to, would they have to clear some money? Yeah, because they're talking about trading Pugue to clear some money. So that's a, He's a... He's a Interesting guy. I mean, he he's can be explosive, but uh, at the same time, he may be detrimental. I don't know. Yep. Tom Ackerman from KMOX will join us. We'll talk about some of those things as well. Phone lines are open, 356-9397 if you'd like to join us. This, this seems like old news now, but uh, with the Urban Meyer resignation and uh, Ryan Day being named the new head coach at Ohio State, of course, uh, Urban's going to coach one more game in the Rose Bowl, but uh, that was a big story early in the week. Yeah, and... Uh, I, it, we're seeing a lot of things change for bowl games with players dropping out, and Boso is just one of those. But there, now there's there's a, an accumulation of names just now beginning to come out on players who have elected since they're going to be turning pro not to play in a bowl game, not in the top, not in the in the, in the four team playoff, but the other bowl games are taking. Uh, you think uh, maybe there's a little less interest in them. I mean that was inevitable, wasn't it? Yeah. As soon as you go to a Final Four, the you know even you know the, the old Rose Bowl, which you've got Washington playing Ohio State. Well, Washington isn't going to draw much of a, a attention nationally. Right. And the Heisman Trophy will be awarded tonight. Yeah. In New York City. Yeah, Murray's going to get it, isn't he? I think he might. Three quarterbacks in the running there, so we'll see how that goes. Back to Illinois basketball quickly. If you looked at, I know you have, but I don't know if, if the fans have looked at. Uh, the rest of the December schedule is kind of interesting. Games on Saturday, but none during the week. Saturday, yeah. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah. And a part of that is finals. I get all that. Yeah. And, and that will enable uh, Brad Underwood to uh, get some more practice time in. Hadn't had much practice time as far as putting new things in. Well, it's all made, been he, uh, game he, preparation. He things. made the point that now they know what to look for, <laughs> what to work on, because 
you know, they don't have any false sense of security based on a lot of wins against easy teams. They've lost two good teams, and now they know what the problems are. Well, <laughs> I don't know if they can solve them, but they know what they are. We, uh, we knew the schedule was tough. Oh, yeah. It turned out to be tough. And I think the fact that Illinois is favored by seven and a half today has something to do with that schedule. Well, something to do with the fact they played uh, a couple of uh, those top teams so close. I mean, they came within a, a you know, uh, if they could have hit a three-pointer uh, at the end against um, Gonzaga, they could have won the game. And the same thing was true in the, in the last game. So, you know, it's just it's coming down to the, to the wire, and, and uh, they've had some games where they – and then they also had some games where they got blown out. So, you know, I, well, don't, know, I don't know what to think. they got four games – left in the month of December before the restart of the Big Ten season. If they could win those four, they'd pull up to six and seven. They're, they're, cut, they're coming to the time where the tough schedule conversation is going to need to fall off the table. I mean, everybody knows that's been a tough schedule, and you went two and seven through that. You're not going to be able to use that as you move on because – I mean, the Big Ten schedule is going to be tough enough as it is. But these well, are three of those games are home, and, and right. they, they should win all three. I'm UNLV, East Tennessee State, which is a good team, by the way. But the Illinois should win that game at home, and, and Florida Atlantic. But the game at Missouri, I'm not. And uh, Missouri won a nice game yesterday. I th- and, and Smith is playing pretty well. Mark Smith is playing pretty well for him. He's leading them, and Pickett's playing better, and uh, Tillman is playing a little better. I mean, they they're not having a particularly good season. I, I'd have to look up their record, but they've been kind of up and down, but. They've got three guys from the from the St. Louis area that are, you know, that have Illinois leanings at one point. In fact, <laughs> Pickett and Tillman and Smith all committed to Illinois, and Smith actually attended Illinois. You know, here just to show you how things go. You said you don't know what their record. And you know what I did? I punched in Big Twelve. <laughs> I still have to keep track of where, where teams are anymore. Yeah, I know. I, was look I know. At it's a Tennessee that we all have it, and you know I, I'm not happy with it, with the way that uh, conferences are spread around. I think it's confusing to everybody. I mean, where's Texas A&M? Are they really in the SEC? Come on, what's West? They're in last place in the SEC. What's West Virginia doing in a Midwest conference? Right. I mean, I, what's Rutgers doing in the Big Ten? And before you come back at me and say, well, Illinois is in the same boat as Rutgers. Well, at least we're uh, geographically, <laughs> say, we may not be uh, athletically up uh, up to snuff, but. If it wasn't for Rutgers, Illinois would have about the worst record of uh, of any team in terms of winning basketball and football games. I think they're tied right now for the yep. this academic year. Missouri is six and three on the season. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, but they haven't played anywhere near right. the schedule. Go ahead. Speaking of conferences and things like that, you sent me a story this week that I read about the Big Ten maybe reaching out to Oklahoma and Texas. There's always been that uh, undertow of interest in Texas. And in the past, and I'm going back quite a few number of years, when the when Texas was kind of looking around and thinking of going to the Pac-12, Illinois was, I mean, the Big Ten was very interested in Texas. But uh, there were some problems down there that if Texas left the Big 12 or the Big 8, may have been at the time, I'm not sure, that it would disrupt that conference so badly with the other Texas teams in there that the, that the legislature down in Texas didn't want that to happen. So they were kind of, you know, building a wall and saying Texas needs to stay in the, in the Big 12 or the Big 8 at the time. I'm, and I think that um, 
now maybe there's a, and by the way that that would be several years in advance that's not now right sure this would be something when new contracts uh, become available when when the, the situation is different and if they took one team if you took a texas you'd have to take another team and right now with the way oklahoma's playing football they would be a, a catch just as nebraska got in the big 10 because of football only because of sure. football no other reason not basketball not academics nothing it was purely football football decision we are off and rolling. Speaking of football, one other note, Michael Oxley yeah. introduced a day or two ago as the head coach of Maryland. How do you think he's going to do there? I don't I don't know. I don't know. Can Maryland uh, – Maryland's got – had a pretty good recruiting class this year, and they think that uh, – they, they feel that Loxley can recruit that area better than anybody. Yeah. And that's why he was hired, by the way, because of his recruiting bill and the fact that he, he's – Offensive coordinator in Alabama, which has got a pretty good football team. And he was named the top assistant in the country. That's right. Um, but it's still, it's, it's a pull. If you're Maryland and you've got to play every year, you've got to play Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. You've got to play those every single year. How successful can you be? And how much will the early defeats make it more difficult to climb in that division? I mean, if Illinois was in that division, I'd feel... Like we had no hope in the Western Division, you at least know that you have a chance to compete against Purdue and Northwestern. I mean, I know they're better now, and I know, but you, you still feel like they're they're reachable. It's doable. It's it's the reason Purdue could keep Brom. If, if Purdue was in the East, Brom wouldn't be at Purdue. He wouldn't be. He sees the West as a chance, and, and I'm suggesting something here that may not be 100% true. I mean, but it seems to me that it was a factor in Brahms' decision not to go to Louisville. And you can correct me if, I, if you don't think I'm, I'm right Well, I there. think there's probably something to that. I think he, he feels like he can win. He feels like he can beat Minnesota. He feels like he can beat Wisconsin. He feels like that, that if they could get Purdue rolling, that they have a chance in a division without Ohio State and without Michigan and without Penn State. Come on. Here's a question for you. If the Big Ten takes Oklahoma and Texas, which one do they put in the West? Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> they probably realign and well, uh, again— yeah, would you see te Texas in the East <laughs> with, with Ohio State? Yeah. And of course, they. Hmm, good question, Steve. Well, that's something I'm sure. Oh, we can I. Figure you out. know what? That that's so far off, yeah, and I is. don't think it'll ever happen. I mean, I understand that there are inquiries that way, and interest that way, and talk that way. I just, I, of course, I would have told you a few years ago that Nebraska wouldn't be in the Big Ten either. If you asked me, yeah. I would say no, no, not Nebraska. But, and I don't know if they've been a great addition. They're okay. I mean, I don't know how much they, they mean financially. Right. Need to take a break. Nine nineteen. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk off and rolling. Love to hear from you. Three five six nine three nine seven. Back with more after this. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Lauren said, "Listen to this." <laughs> Oregon beat Minnesota, as we know, in volleyball in the third set, 41 to 39. I've never heard anything that long. 41 to 39, and the fourth set went overtime, 26-24. So there were some Minnesota fans, Minneapolis fans, that went home unhappy. So they Oregon won in four sets. I, I yes, I, I yes, that is correct. Okay, wow, mm -hmm. that was the upset of the night for sure. 41 to 39. Just <laughs> think it's. <laughs> 25 all, and it went from there. Well, that, I guess that kept their hopes alive, and then they, they couldn't get it done in the 
forsyth in. So they they almost got swept. Is what you're saying, right? Well, yeah, I don't know what the scores the uh, the right. first two sets were. I didn't right. look that up, but I but I just think the 41-39 is worth. Yeah, well, that's certainly worth a mention for sure. This afternoon, three o'clock, it is number six Wisconsin against number three Illinois, with the winner going to uh, Minneapolis for the final four. That certainly puts a different uh, spin on what that everybody thought might happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I think everybody. I, mean, I was really discouraged to think that they had to go up there and play the home team. We we've been through that in basketball, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> and change that rule, but just think what that does to the attendance of the Minneapolis Final Four. Right. I mean, I think it just. I don't know if it kills it, but it certainly hurts it. I don't know this for sure. I don't think the Final Four was going to be on Minnesota's home court on campus. I think it was mm-hmm. probably somewhere. You know, Nevertheless, unquote, you have a lot of Minnesota, oh yeah, no doubt. A lot of Gopher fans would be there that might not be as interested with it once their team is eliminated. More tickets for Illini fans. Yeah, they can uh, get there, and they're certainly on a roll with 16 straight and a 31 and three record right now. The Illini basketball team getting set to take on UNLV. What do you think is going to happen? Three five six nine three nine seven. If you'd like to uh, give us a call on that, Illinois zero and two in the Big Ten. And with a chance now to maybe get some wins going into the restart of the Big Ten season. But that's not going to be easy if you looked at the schedule. <laughs> They're already 0-2. Then they play at Indiana, at Northwestern, and then Michigan here. I know. It's just a, it's a murderous schedule. It's not fair. But here we are. I mean, who ever heard of a Big Ten team playing its first four games on the road? Now, the game at, uh, in Chicago, where they, where they, they did that to themselves. And... Uh, and just put them at a disadvantage. Brad Underwood looking for a lot of things, looking for some practice time, as we mentioned, too, as uh, he'll get uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks. But he's looking for some consistency with his ball club. You know, we missed 18 layups uh, in that game. And you know, that stresses then your defense. And, and, it, and, and, and one area hurts the other. So, uh, you know, we've got to... Uh, uh, we've got to continue to play. We got great shots, unbelievable shots against Ohio State. Everything we wanted. We got wide open threes. We've got we got layups. Uh, the one thing that I didn't think we did a very good job of is we're one of the top three point shooting teams in the country. We got the ball in the paint and we didn't spray it very well. Uh, we missed AJ 12 times where he's standing wide open, and we we've we've got to understand that he's an elite shooter. Uh, Iowa's an elite shooter, and we've got to understand that. When those guys are open, we need to make those kicks and not, uh, not we don't have to shoot it every time we drive it in there. But uh, uh, yeah, we're finding consistency. We have identified it, and now we've got to um, we got to keep growing to fix it. There's a difference between layups. There's a layup where you're clean in and you're you're shooting a layup unguarded, and there's a layup where you're either having you're either getting it blocked or you're having to change it. And there's a big difference. And most of those layups that, that the Illini were taking were under pressure, under duress, with somebody flying at them or, or the shots being blocked. Illinois is getting a lot of shots blocked this year. Trent Frazier expected to play. We talked to him yesterday a little bit. He's got a, a bruise on his right butt cheek is how he <laughs> described that. It was a, a – a, Tailbone, that was a tough foul. And, and it was uh, young when it, 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 yeah, it took was. him down. I, I, yeah, that he was a hard landing. Hit him way too hard. Late in the ball game, they knew they had it won. I just cringe when I see a player going in late in a game when the game's decided and somebody might have a grudge. 
I don't know if he had a grudge, but boy, I've seen that in the past, and it worries me when I see a guy go in. He he gives himself up in the air, and then then the guy hits him from the side, and it's just it, it, the landing is pretty rough. It was very rough, and he uh, landed on his backside and knocked the air out of him too, because yeah. he said he couldn't breathe there for a while. Yeah, and uh, when they took him in. The, where you and I were sitting when they took him down the ramp. Well, to the I thought he room. was done. I thought he was not coming back. Yeah. And then he came back out, got in the ball game, took one shot, then fouled out. Yeah. But uh, he is expected to be. By the way, he, you mentioned took a shot. He's taken some long threes. I mean, yeah. he's not getting. He's not shooting at the arc. He's beyond the arc, and there's a big difference. If you're shooting at the arc, that's a high percentage shot. For, I mean, it's. I'd say that most players, well, you, you see them in practice when they shoot. I mean, they might hit 6, 8, 10, 50 in a row yeah. if they're unguarded. But uh, when you've when you got a guy on you and, and, and he's in your face and, and you're having to back, uh, you know, maybe recoil a little bit to get the shot off, that's a whole different shot. And he's shooting some tough ones. The one he shot that you mentioned was way too long and, short. and didn't come close. Yeah. It, it uh Looked like he had a tired <laughs> or a hurt back because <laughs> it did came up barely, yeah. barely glazed the rim. But we depend on him for so many points, and yet he's not easy. It's not easy for him to get open because other teams are placed him number one, and uh, you know, in their defensive thoughts, and they're getting help on him all the time. And that's why, in some cases, Jordan might be open, and they do need to consider when you drive in there. Uh, you know, I, I, that's a, that's an important thing to do when when you drive in to be able to be, uh, be aware of where other people are because you can kick out to an open shooter. Here's uh, Georgie Bashanasvili on the Trent Frazier injury. I was thinking, oh, he he just a hero, like he giving his best. He when he fell down, I was watching the replay on the screen. It was so bad, and I, I was shocked. I was really I was really praying for him. I was fouled out at the time, so I was just focused on Trent. I was really praying for him that he's not injured. So when he came out, I was really, really happy that it's nothing really serious. I was really shocked. He felt so bad. I was really shocked. And I was really, as I said, I was praying that he's not injured. And uh, when he came back in, I was so happy for him that he's not, it's nothing serious. I was just excited. Georgie, by the way, is going to be the tallest man on the court today. Yeah. When they start out, at least. All those guys from all those places, they didn't have anybody over 6'9". No, this is, a, this is an athletic Running, jumping, modest size, without a backup, uh, without a back to the basket center team, and this is a team that should that Illinois should be able to handle because they don't have that dominance in the post, like a Wesson uh, from Ohio State, for mm -hmm. example, who hurt Illinois. Yep, nine thirty, WDWS Champaign Urbana. We are thirty minutes in the books. We'll take a break. By the way, the final four is at the Target Center in uh, mm -hmm. Minneapolis mm -hmm. for uh, volleyball. That's not where Minnesota plays their home matches, but it won't matter now because the Golden Gophers will not be there in competition. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Love to hear from you, 356-9397, back after this. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. On Ipella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11. Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Phone line is open, 356-9397. You know, uh, Lauren, we've had a, a few Hall of Famers on this show over time, which is good. You're a Hall of Famer yourself. Oh, boy. 
But uh, the newest member of a Hall of Fame is with us, Dana Howard, inducted this week into the College Football Hall of Fame, and he's with us from the uh, St. Louis area. Good morning, Dana. Congratulations. How are you feeling? Morning. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing pretty good. We're good as well. Uh, tell me about your uh, few days in New York City. I'm sure that was a big thrill. Yeah, it was more than a few days. Got that Saturday, didn't leave to, to Wednesday, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a bit dead right now. I'm tired. But was it was it fun? You got to see a lot of a lot of people from your past, I'm sure. Yeah, I had about 40 people there from from home that came up. So uh, I had a nice little crowd. And we did some everything there was to do in, in, in New York and uh, stayed out late, sometimes a little later. Back in my college days late, I can't do it like at the end of Champagne. <laughs> Lou Tepper was there, so I'm sure it was fun to see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool seeing the coach. You know, him him talking and, you know, me, him, and John Hosek and Robert Crumpton all talking football and just having a good time. Well, I'm going to throw out the fact that uh, Illinois was once, particularly when you were around and you and a couple other guys named Hardy and Holosek and Simeon Rice, who they sometimes listed as a linebacker, even though he wasn't. But uh, it, Illinois was kind of a linebacker university at that time. Dana, it's, it's, where are the linebackers now? Where, where, what happened? Man, I, I have no idea. I'm sure, you know, Lovey's trying to get them somehow, some way. Uh, you know, actually, I spoke to one guy, uh, I guess in Cal- Cal- no, Texas, the other night uh, when, uh, you know, I try to help the best I can. And uh, I, I think his name was Haman, Shaman, or something like that, that they're recruiting. You know, yeah. I had a good conversation with him uh, the other night while Lovey's there were at the house. And, you know, so hopefully we're, we're finally getting, getting those type of guys. No, we hope so. Uh, I, I, you weren't the fastest guy that ever came along, but you had a million tackles. What was the secret to your ability to get tackles? It was a want to. I just wanted to do it. Well, it had to be yeah. more than I, I want to, but I can't do it. Come on. Well, it had I to mean, be more. But for me, it was a want to. I mean, it, it's, I just love I just love to tackle people. I, my, I just love to, you know, make a tackle and dish out a little pain. That was that's how I was. I mean, you know, I knew that uh, uh, on the football field, I couldn't get in trouble for for hitting somebody. So, you know. <laughs> well, there, so, I think you had a level of physicality that was a little different than some of the linebackers we see. I mean, you you were big enough and strong enough. I mean, I, I see a, some of our linebackers get caught up in the wash, you know, as, as what I say. You know, when you see a see they get blocked. I mean, you didn't seem to get blocked like that. I mean, maybe uh, that's why I'm asking about your secret. Well, I mean, as far as at the line of scrimmage, it was just more so just uh, being being able to read my keys. Okay. One thing we did do more more than at least I can say I don't know if we did this. We worked on the little things, which were our key reads. Coach Kosh used to always tell us it ain't about the big things; it's the little things that matter. The little things like you know taking that that first the right first step because once you take the wrong step, then that's when that offensive lineman gets the opportunity to get on you and block. But if you take you know, you do it right. You read the small keys. You you make it to every tackle. How much of it so was the, how much of it was the uh, de- uh, defensive lineman in front of you taking out potential blockers? Was there some of that too? Well, yeah. I mean, there, there was some of that as well. I mean, you know, I can't say it was all me because I mean, those guys did, did a lot for me. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> the crazy part was the guys up front. I mean, probably wouldn't have. I know wouldn't have started at a Michigan. Ohio State, Iowa, but they started at our place. And, you know, the Chad Kofans of the world, 
you know, those guys, I mean, that, you know, Chad Kofa was like 6'7 and 250 pounds, you know. But he played like he was, uh, like he was, you know, big, big daddy Dan Wilkerson, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, they, it was just, like I said, it was a war to Some aspects of the game, it, you know, it's not always the talented, most talented person. It's just a guy that has a, 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 a war to attitude, you know. Well, tell me where where That's we are today with Lovey, and I know you know Lovey well, and and you talked to him. And gave up sixty three points in three games, including to Iowa. What uh, what's the answer? Well, I mean, for me, it's well. This is how I look at it. You know, uh, when I was there, we had what's called bridge. You know, where we got the guy, we got guys who were borderline guys academically, but they were talented football players, and they were able to get into university. And, you know, those are the type of guys that they, you know, groomed and, you know, they might get in a little trouble every now and again. But you knew on the football field they'll take they'll take that ignorance and, and make it special. Nowadays, we, we don't have bridge anymore at the university. They got rid of it. So now we're getting guys who are, at, you know, just a little bit above average and trying to make them into superstars. I mean, so I don't care who you are. You can be Lovey Smith. You can be, uh, you know, you can be Belichick. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to make these make these guys, you know, do what you need to need done. So for me, I would like to see Bridge come back, and that would help our basketball team. That would help our football team because we could get a lot of those guys who were missing. You know, we, we had. I mean, I, I'm not bragging, but we had guys who, you know, would just fight at the drop of a dime. You, just be somewhere and they just punch somebody. Not, <laughs> not that it's cute. Not that it's cute, but, I mean, the mentality of a, of a football player is he's always aggressive. And I just don't see that. I, I went to practice, uh, I think it was like a year and a half ago up in Champaign. Uh, I just happened to be watching practice. And I saw the offensive line and the defensive line tussling. It wasn't fighting. It was tussling. It was just basically like there's – Slap, slap each other's helmets, and the coach just said real loud, "Break it, break it up, break it up," and they broke up. And I'm looking like, "What the heck is this?" Because <laughs> if you want to fight, you gonna fight. I don't care who it is taking you break it up. You ain't breaking it up. So, I guess my moral to the story was: after the practice, I came up, I, 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 I came to the huddle, and I asked everybody, I say, "Hey, this." Do do one thing for me, guys. I say, let me. Who's? When was your last fight? Who? When was your last actual fight? Like in the last month, year, and nobody could raise their hand. All of them were looking like, oh, we don't, we don't fight. I say exactly, because this, this is what this is every day out here. It's fighting. So I mean, you, you these are your teammates. I ain't saying hurt your teammates. But what I'm trying to say is, you got to have a tough mentality, and I don't see that. I see a bunch of guys out here. But they're the nice guys. We can't win with nice guys. I mean, now somebody might beg the differ, but I'm just telling you how I grew up and how I played. I mean, if you want to be tough, you, it's not a it's a it's a it's a mentality. You know, it, well, there's no tackling. In, there's no tackling in practice. Uh, did how much tackling did you do uh, under Tepper in practice? Well, we 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 well, we worked we worked on our tackling. It wasn't like we actually took them to the ground, but. We worked on form tackling, how to tackle. Guys, nowadays, nowadays they just throw their shoulders into people and think that's a tackle. And, and, you know, and 
But the guy runs by him, is like, oh, man, Mr. Tackle, well, you didn't, you know you didn't tackle him because you never wrapped him up. It's about wrapping up. You have to use your arms, uh, use your butt, you know, and drive your feet. That's how you make a tackle. You don't just throw your shoulder in the people. But, I, you know, everybody wants to uh, play like they're, they're playing on Sundays. They don't understand. The guys on Sundays don't know what they're doing either. They're just getting paid a lot of money. <laughs> Talking to Dana Howard, uh, what about the uh, the recent rule changes as far as tackling and targeting and things like that? Do you think those are good things, and do you think you could play today with uh, with that set of rules? Yeah, well, I'd probably, I could play, but but I'd probably have about 200 less tackles than I, than I have in my stats because, you know, I, I did a whole lot of uh, horse collar. I, yeah, that was – that was a staple of mine. Somebody I knew was a little faster than me. I grabbed him from the back of the shoulder, shoulder pads, and that was a town. Or you know, I I mean I lay with my head a lot, so you know, because not with my head, but more so my face, man. So it was all always helmet to helmet because I saw what I was tackling, so my helmet was coming first. So yeah, I, I mean I think I could play. But it would be a, a major adjustment. All right, Dana. We just wanted to catch up with you and uh, say. Uh... Congratulations. You've been a pretty big year for you. Uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Now you're in the uh, Illinois Hall of Fame as well, and uh, well-deserved. And uh, we appreciate you taking time to visit with us once again. No problem. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take it easy. You too. That's Dana Howard with us from uh, the St. Louis area this morning. Hall of Famer Dana Howard. 942, make it 943. We'll take a break. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Saturday Sports Talk moving on. 945-356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to join us. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Illinois basketball this afternoon at 1. Volleyball at 3. A lot going on on this uh, busy Saturday, December, what is this, December the 10th already on the calendar. Let's go to the phones. Jerry in Savoy has been hanging on. Jerry, what's on your mind? Hello. Uh, well, I think de- December the 8th is today. Well, uh, whatever. Uh, I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk some volleyball, but uh, after that Dana Howard talk, I'm fired up. I'm ready for football again. I wish he was one of our coaches uh, that was the best interview you guys have had for a long, long time. I really enjoyed that. My question on volleyball was, I know Parkland was playing for the Junior College National Championship, and I never did hear if they won or not. Do you know? I don't think they did, but I don't know for sure. They were, they were second, I'm told. They, uh, they lost to the same team that beat them last year. Yeah, I think it was Coffeyville, Kansas. They yes. were playing for the title, but I never did hear. Do they have any players on their team that are Big Ten caliber? You know, they've been there two years in a row now. You'd think maybe they'd have somebody that would uh, be a Big Ten player. Well, you're talking uh, the elite of the elite when you're talking Big Ten caliber. Uh, the Big Ten is so good in volleyball. I don't know the answer to that, but uh, they'd have to be really good, I think, to crack a, a Big Ten lineup. And not the to say they, they don't have any of those, I just don't know for sure. Speaking of recruiting, Illinois has got four scholarship players coming in this next year, plus two walk-on, and they've already got two commitments from the following year and at least one, maybe two, in the following year and they, and, who are just sophomores in high school now. They really go out early. Anything else, Jerry? 
No, I just sure enjoyed uh, Dana Howard on there. Yeah, he's kind of old school, isn't he? Just like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for the call, Jerry. We appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. Illinois basketball this afternoon. Trent Frazier, we told you about him, uh, expects to be ready to play and had a chance to visit with him a little bit about uh, being the, the scoring leader and overall leader on this Illinois basketball team. The coaches and my teammates, they trust me. You know, uh, they know. They know whether what, what shots I take are, are good shots and what, what shots are bad, you know. Um, and that's for me, you know, being a second a second year um, leader, you know, um, I know what a good shot is. So I play my game, and they all look up to me, and they, they trust me to do what I do best, and that's, that's shoot the ball. So um, And they know I can get them open. I can get them the ball anytime they want. So they, that's that's never a problem on our team. Some of the young guys, new guys, you know, get the wrong match as well. Oh, we're losing, you know. No one's going to be at our games. Uh, people are going to be bashing us, you know. Uh, I don't want to get that to the young guys' head. You know, um, we have a, we have an unbelievable supportive um, cast here. Uh, but Line Nation is incredible, and um, and I, I always appreciate their support and all the games they come to, with, packed and ready to go. That's uh, Trent Frazier with us. A couple of phone calls hanging on. Let's go uh, back to Savoy and Pat. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, uh, Steve and Lauren. A uh, great show as usual. You guys uh, do a fabulous job. Hey, uh, I just got a little uh, penny for, uh, not penny for my thought, but a little two cents to throw in. Uh, I was a little, uh, you know, growing up in this community and playing football and basketball and always being taught by some of the absolute best coaches, uh, i.e. Tommy Stewart. Uh, and I remember playing under Tommy Stewart, and I mean, if, if, if we uh, ever said a word to an official, uh, after a play, I mean, we were running wind sprints uh, the whole next Saturday. Uh, you know the point I'm making, and you know it's absolutely true. Uh, this gets back to my whole point. The other night when Illinois played in Chicago against Ohio State, I was really surprised at the post-game interview uh, with uh, uh, our, our Illini coach that uh, uh, Underwood, that he was so – uh, upset with the fish officials. Now I know we might have had 40 fouls or whatever it may be, and uh, but you know that's not the official. I, you, we can talk till whenever. That's not the official's fault. And Underwood was, if you saw that whole post game uh, uh, briefing, it was uh, uh, unbelievable how he was putting it on the refs. Oh, I, I don't how, agree with that at all. I sat right there and listened to the whole thing. I thought. He felt a lot stronger during the game than he did after the game. I thought he was really calmed down. Steve, what do you think? Am well, I, unless am we're I talking about, base here? Unless we're talking about two different things. He does a courtside interview that we did not hear. Oh, okay. We heard the press conference. Okay. So I, I can't. Okay. But as far as what we heard in the press conference, I thought he was fine. He, yeah. He said Big Ten has the best officials. They had three of the best on the. So, on the so you're talking about the, uh, the what he said on the radio directly after the game? Well, now, Lauren, what I'm saying is what I'm laying in bed at uh, whatever, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, watching on Channel 3, oh. they, gave, they gave a clip of Underwood uh, post-game show where he was just irate with the officials and how bad the calling was. Really? And he had a look in his eye that he, that he was just bound and determined that it was that's why Illinois lost that game by 10 points. And he said that uh, we're going to have them fi officials again and we're going to deal with them just like we dealt with them tonight and had arguing every call. 
And I'm telling you, it was embarrassing. It brought mm-hmm. me back to my Tommy. It was embarrassing. If you want to look back on Channel 3's film and see, he really made it was, I don't think it set well, in my opinion, it didn't speak well for the University of Illinois, a fairly new coach, two, three-year coach, to go off on the officials like it's the officials that didn't win the game. Okay, well, we get your point, but I, but the, the interesting thing to me is that by the time he got to our press conference, there was nothing like that. Nothing. I mean, it was well, a, I was surprised that he didn't say more because I knew how mad he was. It was obvious how mad he was on the sideline. He was almost on the edge of getting a technical, although uh, the other uh, Hopeman got a technical, didn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 you know, he. I think that he's like a lot of coaches that after they have a chance to cool down, they they take a different approach to it. I'm surprised well, what you I'm what more, you're telling me is a total surprise to me. Yeah, Lauren, I I told I'm I'm really surprised that there wasn't made, more made of this because I told my wife after this I said. You know what? Growing up with Tommy Stewart and and well, I can't really say Lee Kabuti because Kabuti was different than Stewart, of course. But uh, I told my wife, I said, if, if boy Lee, uh, Tommy Stewart would just roll over in his grave if he heard someone criticize the officials like Underwood was. I mean, it was just. I know the. No, I we, know we've the, got your uh, point. I, we got your point. We understand. Okay, I, I well, just. I just, uh, just saying uh, that, yeah. we did not see that because what you're talking about is something we were at the game. What you, you're, what you saw was uh, at home, obviously. Exactly. Okay, and what thank I'm saying you. is it might've been channel three's clip, you know, their, their, uh, interview with him, you know, yeah. okay. what they took out of it. Good enough. All thank right. You. Well, I, I don't want to criticize the coach, but you know, cause I'm a loyal line. I fan, but I, I don't think that's the, I don't think that's what the, the path we want to go down. All right. All right thank Pat, you. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to uh, Decatur. John is with us. Hey, John. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I, I got two or three things to say, and then I'll just let you guys fly to them. Um, first of all, I don't think I've ever seen a coach be so irate with referees and not get a technical. I mean, Wow. It, 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 it was just unbelievable. Well, game. do you know what he was saying? No. I don't either. I mean, <laughs> I, it, I obviously. He, I mean, his expressions. He was really irate. Oh, he was he was unhappy, but you don't a technical guy because he's unhappy unless he says something. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know what he, he said, must, but evidently he, he didn't have. say the key word. <laughs> no, he, he must not have. Okay. Uh, and the other thing, concerns the referee also, I don't think I've ever seen a basketball player played basketball like Georgie and going up, putting their arms around referees and talking to him. I mean, I mean, he's suave. And what <laughs> well, means a lot because, you know, you don't get in the technical. And what's he saying to him? I mean, you he's know. Be, he's it, saying it, nice it, things to him probably because yeah, but he, 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 it doesn't help. It doesn't prevent him from fouling out, though, does it? <laughs> no, it don't. But, it, but it's, it's really nice to look. Okay, my real question is, tell me about the cylinder rule. Uh Georgie and I think it was DeMonte had a guy cornered out center court. And the, I, I, I know you got your pivot foot, okay? Your, your cylinder's got to be on your pivot foot and go straight to the ceiling. Now, how big is that cylinder? That guy, that guy at one time took a step that was probably three foot wide to where he was almost at the center line. Is that cylinder going up from both feet or just from the cylinder? It goes straight up. From, the, from where? From where? Does it go up from the right from the pivot foot or the other foot that steps out that can pivot? That can, you know, it's that a can judgment. Move. It's just a judgment. Okay. 
So if he's really st- if he's spread out three foot, and Georgie comes up to his pivot foot and straddles over his pivot foot because he's he's stretching out three foot the other way, then he comes back up. Now Georgie is in his cylinder. Is that correct? We're not officials, man. I I, I don't know, <laughs> but uh... I can't I can't I'd ha- I'd have to have a more clear understanding and, uh, and be able to see it. I don't know what to, I don't know. On your text line, can you get pictures? I'll send you a picture. I don't know if we'll be able to answer it then. We're not going to be officials then either. Take take a look at it. I'll send you a picture. Take a look at it and just tell me if this this offensive guy then stands up, then Georgie is in the cylinder. But when he spread way out, boy, it's a pretty gray rule. Well, as is the block charge. I mean, that's a a hard one to call too. Okay. Hey, John, thanks for the call. Thank Appreciate you. it. Go ILL. You bet. John listening in Decatur here on Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk, Illinois and Nevada, Las Vegas, this afternoon at the, the State Farm Center. That'll be followed by Illinois Volleyball just a couple of blocks away at Huff Hall. That's sold out, but there is going to be a watch party if you're uh, at the uh, State Farm Center for the basketball game. When the, ball, the basketball game is over, you can stay and watch the volleyball on the big screen if you would like. So a lot going on. We'll hear more about that and other things uh, pertaining to the U of I athletics, including the Hall of Fame ceremony in New York. Kent Brown is going to join us here to uh, kick off the uh, second hour of today's show on December the 8th. I didn't even know what date it was, but I knew it was early in December. The 8th, the 10th, you know. When you're semi-retired, dates don't matter, do they, Lauren? <laughs> I Four guess days. Uh, You'll know not. what day and every day is Saturday. If you folks have been thinking at all about uh, replacing your windows and doors, how about a trip to the uh, Pella Window Store at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign? Mike Mary and uh, the folks at Illini Pella have been assisting homeowners in this area for a long, long time, way more than 40 years. They do things the right way. A lot of things for you to consider when uh, replacing windows or doors, things like security, comfort, and convenience. A great uh, window or door is only as good as the installation, and they do that there as well. The Pella Window Store has many examples on the showroom floor in all different kinds of styles of doors and windows. They're at uh, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. They're open today until noon, and their Monday through Friday hours are 8 to 5, or you can check them out at uh, PellaOfChampagne.com. Mike Mary and the boys at uh, the Pella Window Store as well. They also have a location in Danville. Squeeze in another phone call here before we uh, hit the top of the hour. Alan in Montrose is with us. Go ahead, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh, I don't know if we're, uh, if we're as talented as we thought we were. The other night in the second half, <clears throat> I noticed for a large stretch of the game, we were playing six five guys or smaller against uh, the big size of Ohio State, and you can't win with that. We uh, – we just need more size and more talent, and uh, we're, we're still a long ways from being athletic. Uh, I'm afraid we're going to struggle to win just 10 games for the season. I hope I'm wrong on that, but I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying a whole lot better than last year. Our defense is not real good. You got anything That's good to say, Alan? <laughs> <clears throat> well, wait till next year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, you got to be happy that your Cardinals made a deal, right? Oh yeah, boy, that <clears throat> I never thought I'd ever say this with the Light Eye Sports. I, I'm ready to bring on baseball. All right, appreciate the I, call. 
Yep. Thank you. One question on the text line. We've answered this before, but uh, is Illinois looking at the St. Teresa running back right? And they, this texter seems to think he should get an offer. He has not received an offer. He has offers from Iowa and Michigan State, I think, in the Big Ten. But I'm not sure. Uh, well, we don't know that Illinois made any kind of an offer. Right. To, to our knowledge, we, uh, we, we don't think so, but who knows? And I think some think maybe he's not fast enough to be a, a running back in the Big Ten. But They're recruiting a, running, a top running back out of Texas, I yep. see. We'll see how that, all that goes. 10 o'clock. Running backs is not the problem. <laughs> Everybody's concerned about right. the running back. They're not the problem. Look on the other side. You start holding teams to 20, run, uh, 20 points a game, then, then, you know, then we'll worry about the running back. 10 o'clock, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with hour number two of an online Pella Saturday sports talk. Feel free to join us after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. And welcome back to the show, everybody. Hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock, 356-9397 is the phone number. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Kent Brown has joined us in the studio. Good morning, KB. Good morning, guys. Uh, it's just ground rules. I can't talk about a cylinder rule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the Cardinals for sure. Yeah, we, knew, we knew that. <laughs> okay. And I can't talk specific recruiting about anybody. Other so than that, we're about <laughs> recruiting. <laughs> we're we wide open. Recruiting. I can but tell you that this is a big weekend. There's a lot of really good players on campus. I heard you had nine weekend. guys that have already committed to a city. Probably. I, I don't know what the exact number is, but there's this is a week, uh, weekend where a lot of the, the committed guys are here for their official visits, um, and there are several people who um, are we're recruiting who are here for official visits. There's too, stories so. out about guys that are still waving, not Illinois, but uh, guys waving all over the country. You t change coaches, and the next thing you know, guys waver, and sometimes they come back to the same school, but uh, there might be some players out there right now that are committed to other schools that you can actually recruit. Well, I, I tell you, I think coaches would tell you that, you know, the commitment is a big deal. Yeah. And then, then now the battle is holding on to them because, yeah. uh, you know, some of those other schools see that's, that you're the only competition. You're not competing against – eight schools anymore because he's committed to one person so now a school from who may be interested all of a sudden they they know they're just recruiting against one other school and so holding on to those guys is is just as difficult as it sometimes getting the commitment i'll tell steve since you 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 can turn, hide your ears but uh, isaiah williams is named uh, missouri player of the year for the second year in a row quarterback at uh, in st louis and you can say we are recruiting him. That is permissible under NCA rules. Thanks, Lauren. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just—I know you want to avoid it as much as possible. Well, one thing he can tell us is about that Minnesota volleyball match last night. Yeah, you guys were talking about that. Um, so I read a little bit this morning, and I heard about it last night. I wish I'd have seen it, but uh, um, I think the score was somewhere in the mid 30s, 38, 37. Uh, Minnesota is in the second set, so they were Minnesota was up one set to nothing, and uh, the player from Minnesota did a pancake to save it right off the floor and there was a set and a, and a kill by one of her teammates that in their minds ended the set and so they Minnes walked off they huh? walked off thinking they were up two to nothing and uh, they they uh, replayed it and um, 
it was overruled. So instead of winning 39-37 or whatever, it was 38-38. And then Oregon obviously uh, came back, and, and Minnesota just really didn't recover emotionally, I think, from the from the overturn like that. Well, did, so. they, did they win? Did did Oregon win all three sets then? They won three in a row. Three zero. Yeah. They so they no they. Minnesota won the first. Set. Oh, I'm sorry. They yeah, so they okay. would have been up two to nothing okay. if if the ruling would have not have been overturned. Okay. And then Oregon okay. got the overturn. So it was three one. So they won three one. Yeah. But they and did the, win three in a row. <laughs> they won three yeah. in a row. Yeah. yeah. And the last one, I think, either the last 26, one, twenty six twenty four. Twenty. But that yeah. was overtime too. Yeah. So, a lot of emotion in these uh, volleyball Ooh. matches. It, you know, even uh, yesterday the scores weren't uh, particularly close. It's there's a lot of energy and a lot of emotion and. A lot of those players, they know they're playing. They're they're obviously you're really good teams if you get to this point in the season, and the players are really good. And there's a lot of seniors who are playing in their final game, and they're leaving it everything they can out there. And 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 so it's 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 a and, and that's that way in every sport, college sport, when you when you get to postseason play like this. The unique aspect is that in in these matches, some of them like Marquette and like Wisconsin have one great player at the net who is just unstoppable no matter who you know if, if she gets it in the right spot it's a kill but they can only be there half the time they can be there for three rotations and then there's three rotations they can't be there and that's that's the big difference i think illinois uh, uh, takes advantage of that because they don't have w i mean quay's really good yeah but they don't have one that they just depend on entirely like we saw marquette with the uh, ali barber Barber and then uh, Rosenthal was the other mm -hmm. uh, really tall player yeah. they had, and and you know Wisconsin's got the six eight uh, player who's an all state player in the state of Illinois and yeah. uh, defected across the border and yeah. and uh, <laughs> but I mean it you know your your uh, discussion with uh, Don uh, Harden uh, yeah. Harden a week ago I think it was a week ago. Uh, was really interesting, and, and that's the truth. There's no other sport that you take. You have to take your best player out of the position where they're they're yeah. best at. Uh, except for you know hitting baseball is probably the only thing because you can't you can't bring up your best hitter every time you can't go to you, you, there's an order right yeah. it has to get around um, yeah and but other than that I mean you, you we can't, can't we can't bat Goldschmidt every time <laughs> <laughs> he well, said he wasn't going to talk about yeah, Kurt. Oh. <laughs> now that he's on that team I can't talk about <laughs> <laughs> Ken Brown is with us and you talk about emotions of, at this time of year and in volleyball it's going to be up uh, pretty intense this afternoon isn't it it's going to be uh unbelievable and it's very unfortunate that the timing and this is television driven and and which is great for the sport to get national coverage like this um so you know obviously our basketball game starts at one o'clock and, and volleyball uh, set to start at three uh, i know there's a lot of fans who uh have tickets to to both um i also know that uh, our basketball games don't tend to end right at two hours yeah uh, we we tend to lengthen our games and so um so it's unfortunate on the timing wise for that but i know it's sold out the the huff gym is sold out and it will be rocking today no doubt about it what happened yesterday with all the empty seats obviously when somebody loses they go home but those seats just uh would, would it, we can resell. A, we can sell. So, like you the should have already done that. I guess. Like huh? the Marquette seats, yeah. you know, can go on sale. And yeah. and, and, and but there, you know, there's going to be two Send. teams today. So yeah. so yesterday there were four teams here. So you have to have seats set aside. But you can sell those in advance because you know those seats are going to be available. Uh, oh, they were sold in advance. Well, you can because you know that there's only going to be two teams playing today, and the two teams that lost 
went home. Sure, so, sure. So you can you can sell those well, tickets. I or people, I, I thought they might go on sale today. No, those have already been sold. It's okay. It's sold out. So hey, I want to talk to you before. I, I don't want to miss hearing what you have to say about Bill Snyder, because the guy was fantastic at, at Kansas State, and you were there for a while. And there was a mo- there was a time I know Wichita State dropped football, and there was actually time. And you're telling me that Kansas State considered that. So, um, you know, I was I worked here at Illinois until 2000. I was here for seven years as a full time assistant in our office, and and uh, in 1996 I had the opportunity to go to uh, Kansas State University as the director, sports information director, and um, so in '96 when I got there, Bill, it was his seventh season. He had begun in 1989, and um, the administration, the, the AD who hired him, Steve Miller, had gone on and it, had worked at Nike, became one of the top executives at Nike after that. But a couple of the people who were certainly involved were still there. And, and in discussion, it was pretty evident the, the K-State program at that time was the worst in still? America. No, in, ni- in 1989, it was the worst. It was it, – it was it was so low. You mean when he came there? When he came there. Okay. When he came okay. there okay. in nineteen ninety, and he had built, by the time I had gotten there, it is it was perennial top ten. Mm-hmm. But it took five or six years before they got to that level. It was a it was a total rebuild. And so, um, again, you know, th- it came from a program that was literally they were they were thinking about dropping football, dropping out of the Big Eight, and just going to Valley and playing basketball as a basketball school mm-hmm. versus uh, football. And Bill really saved it. I mean, they had a stadium. They weren't drawing any, any fans whatsoever. It was a decrepit uh, stadium. And as he uh, built that program and built success, fans came. And then they put, you know, put money into the facilities. And you couldn't imagine what it looks like today of what it, or can't imagine what it looked like then compared to today. And so um, I, I was in New York with, with Dana. I heard you talking to Dana a little bit, um, Josh, and – uh, I went out with a group to uh, to New York on Monday. We had an event for Dana Monday night, which was very very cool. It's an Illini event, and then Tuesday is the National Football Foundation uh, event, and it's where they uh, introduce the Hall of Famers and several other awards um, at that night. And so I, I was really wanting to see Bill. It's been several years since I've I've talked to him in person, and um, and so I happened to get on the elevator and rode down the elevator uh, with Bill and his wife and. Um, it's been years, and so it, it was a, I would say, a five to eight minute conversation, but just a quick catch up. And I thanked him for everything that he did, and, and not for just personally, because it was uh, eight, 19 years ago when I left there, but uh, what he's done for the man, the state of Kansas, the city of Manhattan, the university, it's unbelievable to realize what, what he meant to that area. And uh, but I will say that Bill has really aged. He you know he went through some cancer uh, uh, scare. He's uh, going to be eighty, right? He will be eighty, um, and he he certainly looks uh, like he's you know really aged. He's really he's really well. That first of really all, hard. coaching takes it out of you. It does. It's a high stress. It's, it's a high stress sport, and um, physically, it's, it's yeah. It's, and I did talk. I had about a twenty minute talk with Sean, his son Sean, who. Uh, who's been the associate head coach and special teams coordinator there for several years. And when I was there, he was the operations director, and I've played softball with Sean, and so I've known him for quite a while. And, and uh, you know, they're just all very uh, – they, they realized that it was such a special time with Bill at that university, and they're all kind of waiting to see what direction the, the university is going to go on, on hiring a new coach. And, 
And uh, there's always a lot of speculation that, you know, the bill was holding on to try to get Sean that position. And I really don't know if that's the case. It wasn't my place to ask those questions. But, um, but Bill, you know, a, a unique individual who um, no one can probably put a real price on what he meant for that community. Was it that true state. that junior college uh, recruiting was the key to it? Well, there's no doubt that it really helped. So Kansas State uh, has an open enrollment. Uh, policy they did when I was there and that, that meant if you had a high school degree or a junior college degree you you were admitted and uh, the junior college program in Kansas is very vibrant and a lot of kids go there maybe they have a problem somewhere around the country and they end up going in the and so the league there is very competitive mm -hmm. and Bill did a great job of of um, recruiting junior college players who really fit what he wanted to do and get, could get in and and were productive and um, if you look back, I mean, there's some great, great players that went through there that, that uh, started out in a, or ended up through the junior college program. So he was able to use that. And, um, you know, there's some other uh, – I think you and I have talked about this. There's some other – Fort Riley is right nearby. Um, Fort Riley has uh, uh, college-level classes that people can take. And so a lot of times, they, you know, kids would be taking classes at Fort Riley and – and uh, pick up a three or four hours here and there, and when they needed them, and and so they were they it was it's all legal certainly, but it was all a, an advantage that they have that that maybe a lot of places don't have, and and uh, Bill Kansas used it. hadn't been able to take advantage. Of it. Bill, yeah, Kansas did not take advantage of the of the junior college uh, like Bill did, and mm -hmm. um, and and I, I don't know what the admission standards are there. They may be a little different, um, but there that's a that's a. Kansas has not been able to certainly been consistent at all like K-State was. Do you have any idea what they'll do uh, for that uh, position? I'm I'm following just like anybody a fan would. I uh, there's looks like uh, they're headed towards something maybe this weekend or early next week. They've got some uh, there's some, been some names pop out, but um, it would be totally speculative. I'd be guessing just like any other sure. fan. So I you know it's uh, it's always interesting this time of the year. There's a there's a uh, website called footballscoop.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I watch it every day because you see where assistant coaches are going and head coaching uh, rumors and they s tend to be pretty uh, pretty reliable on their information and and so I'm watching that just like a lot of fans are and a lot of coaches. It's funny everybody watches that stuff to see what all the movement uh, that, that's happening. Visiting with Kent Brown, I want to hear more about the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, ceremony this week in New York. We'll do that. We need to take a break at 10.15 and on IPELA Saturday Sports Talk. Back with more after this. Welcome back to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Kent Brown is here as well, Associate Athletic Director, Sports Information Director. You boys got your Christmas shopping done yet? Yes, of course. <laughs> is, there, is that coming up? <laughs> <laughs> is that coming up? November was one of the busiest months ever, and uh, December starting off that way, isn't it? It, it uh, This time of the year, for those of us who work in college athletics, specifically with football and basketball teams, uh, when there's about a two-month period when everything is on top of each other, and you have your – it's a lot getting ready for a football game every week, every Saturday, and then you add two – and sometimes three basketball games in the middle of that. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on, and we've added volleyball, uh, home these home uh, matches. Now, I don't do a lot of specific stuff with volleyball. I'm, I'm helping out a little bit, but Libby Knight uh, is the primary contact. But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, but that's why we got in sports. It's a lot of fun, and it's a lot of moving, a lot of moving what parts. What has volleyball meant to the Illini fandom, in your view, this success run? 
Well, I think, and I've said this a lot in the last few weeks, you know, our, the Illini fan base uh, gets behind a program when it's successful, unlike almost any other in the country. It's unbelievable. And so our volleyball program, it is something everybody can uh, be a part of, and that's what athletics is all about. You want success because that's engaging. That gets people connected, keeps them connected to the university. And uh, volleyball means a lot because they're very successful. When our men's golf team, when they're playing well, not everybody can go to the golf tournament, but I know a lot of Illini Nation was following our golf teams when we were competing in those NCAA championship mm-hmm. events. And when baseball uh, mm-hmm. went to the Super Regional, mm-hmm. there are people all over the country following those those teams. And so, um, and we've seen it with men's basketball. We know that when basketball is successful, we saw it with football. When football went to the uh, Sugar Bowl or to the Rose Bowl those two years, we can't get enough tickets because everybody in the country wants to be a part of it. And so that's why it's important for our two biggest primary or highest profile sports to be successful because it does keep everybody connected. But volleyball, certainly uh, people are very, very proud of it. I know our fans are. And uh, you can see that group that comes to those matches, uh, game, you know, match after match after match, how excited they are. And, and these are people that, and, 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 and then they were younger, volleyball was nothing, nowhere. Yeah, but you know, it just wasn't. It, well, it probably wasn't, and, and, and yet. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the older fans. Yeah, but you know, it, 30 years ago when I was a student, I mean, we were playing at Kenny Gym. I mean, right. you had to get there an hour because there's only 1,800 seats in that place, if mm-hmm. you remember at Kenny. And I do. If you didn't get there an hour beforehand, you didn't get a seat. You were locked out and when those good teams in the late 80s. And, uh, and so it was uh, just starting to take off at that point and with, with uh, Mike Hebert. And, uh, but, yeah, our, our fan base is very passionate, and they're very, uh, they're very loyal. Volleyball would be one of the uh, teams that would benefit from a new hockey stadium, would they not? Yeah, if, if, that's, you know, if they end up being what we do, right. uh, volleyball would be one of the teams playing there. It's, you know, you kind of have that, uh, that balancing act. I mean, the atmosphere that we provide and that is provided by our fans at Huff is unlike almost any other place in the country, and so it's such an advantage. And so could that, would that carry over? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, there'd be more seats. Uh, but, uh, you know, everything else would be nicer, you know, the locker rooms and mm-hmm. the training room and the uh, practice courts and things like that would all would all. So, uh, you know, those are all parts of it. I mean, it, you know, we all uh, have an arms race in, in terms of facilities, and, and that's one that would affect a lot of sports. Illinois football now has 17 representatives in the College Football Hall of Fame with uh, Dana Howard going in this week. Tell me a little bit about you, you talked about uh, visiting with Bill Snyder, but uh, Certainly, that was not all you did there. There's a lot going on. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, you know, it's a great weekend. Uh, the The National Football Foundation holds this uh, annual uh, recognition dinner, and then there's other meetings that go around it um, because it is a who's who of, of college football. And all the television representatives are there. The, uh, every athletic director in the country is there. Every head coach, a lot of the top assistant coaches, um, it's a place where when uh, ADs are looking to replace a coach, oftentimes they'll meet in New York because they know that's where everybody's going to be. Um, and so it is a black tie affair, and it's, I would guess, uh, 800 to 1,000 people, and the, and the tickets aren't cheap. Only Lauren would be able to afford that <laughs> in our group right here. Um, and so it's a, it's a big-time affair. And so um, it was very – so they, they recognized the Hall of Famers. They recognized uh, the top scholar athletes in, in football – uh, and then the Hall of Famer, th- this class, uh, was all recognized uh, uh, and introduced to the, to the group. Now, one of the things I did want to mention, you know, we had a local, another Central Illinois connection, Jason Seaman, 
who is a hero for Muhammad. Went to Muhammad Seymour, went to Southern Illinois, played football, teaches in Mo- Noblesville, and, and, and if you remember, took down the shooter, uh, took a bullet uh, to save his kids. And so um, the National Football Foundation offers a, uh, a gold medal award every year. And uh, Jason and uh, the, the, young, the high school teacher in, in Parkland, uh, Florida, uh, who, who lost his life, were both recognized uh, Tuesday night as well. And so I had a chance to talk to Jason afterwards. And what a great young guy. And uh, I think he's, you know, it's, this has been a, a realizes the impact he's had on so many, many people. And so very proud that uh, the 217 area code uh, represented there with Jason and, uh, and happy for him and his, and, uh, his family and his wife about what they've done. I was going to, well, just the, yeah, but the, the event itself, uh, you know, you, I know you, when you were talking to, to uh, Dana, John Holosek was there. Yep. It was great to catch up with Lou Tepper. Uh, so at the Illini event on Monday night, uh, we had, I don't, know, I don't know, 40 or 50 people there and several of his former teammates, Robert Crumpton, who played with him. Um, and, and so there was a few speakers. And so Lou got up and, and spoke and pulled out. A, now, Lou looks exactly like he did <laughs> when the last time I saw him in 1990. I saw him in 2011, but he really hasn't changed in the last 20 years. He really looks in great shape. Pulls out a little card, and he says, on October 14th, 1994, Dana Howard said this. And he re- the, repeat, <laughs> the, the quote about uh, guaranteeing the victory against Ohio State. And he went through the story and, and uh, from his point of view, right, and and uh, and then Dana took the microphone and the story from his point of view a little bit because you know Dana felt like he was saying what he should have said and I was on the phone he, call. He did. Uh, yeah, he did. I, I was on the. So what we did at that point in time is we set Dana up because he was requested by the uh, opposing media, the visiting media every week. We did a teleconference phone call with him on Mondays at whatever time it fit Dana's schedule. It was like late morning, and we'd say if you want to talk to Dana Howard, call this number on Monday at eleven o'clock and Dana will be available to answer questions. So we'd get media from around the Big Ten call. And the week of Ohio State, we were just coming off a very tough loss to Purdue, uh, where, if you remember, uh, Ken Dilger got stopped at the half-yard line oh, on yeah. the fly at the end of the game. Very, very tough loss. He got criticized for not getting uh, in the end zone. I know, you know but, man. you know, just a super tough loss. A lot of emotion. And, and so Dana is on his regular phone call, and it's Ohio State coming next. And the questions were about – you know, do you think you, you know, what do you think, you know, your team's going to be like coming back after this? And Dana said, I, I think we're going to come back and win. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. And are, are, are you sure? What are you <laughs> saying there? Well, I think our guys are going to bounce back and we're going to go into Columbus and we're going to win the game. Now, Dana, are you sure? Are you, are you, <laughs> are you predicting victory? Are you guaranteeing victory? I'm saying we're going to go, we're going to come in and play and we're going to win the game on Saturday. In Dana's mind, of course, he's doing what he's a captain of the team. He's trying to be a leader and you know show support and show some confidence that oh, we're going to bounce back and win this game. And so it became a big story that Dana Howard guarantees victory. Um, and so the reporter gave him one last four times. Would he have won the the, the uh, I don't Buskers know award if he hadn't had the interception and a million tackles in that game? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. I, I, I mean, do remember it, it, the spotlighting. It did. I did. I remember the, the reporter saying, Dana, is there anything else you want to say? And I think I cut in and said, I don't think there's anything else Dana can't say <laughs> right now. And um, and so we get to that week, and Brett Musburger. trying to protect Tepper. Uh, yeah, a little bit. And Brett Musburger. Um, and I saw the practice on that Monday. I mean, Lou got into – now, Lou doesn't swear and, and never – but he 
got into Dana, like I've never seen him, selfish. I can't believe you took you stepped out on the team like that. You can't do that. You can't be hit. And then and then it was like, uh, you better follow up. <laughs> and so I was talking to Crumpton and, and uh, Holosek, and they said, you know, it was amazing, though, that week how all the guys rallied around Dana because Dana had stepped out and showed confidence in them, and they all rallied that week. And he said there was definitely a different uh, tone that week when they went into Ohio State. Now – Dana in that game, so Brent Musburger is doing the game, of course, and Brent, you know, the voice, and, and he says all along, you know, they're talking all about the guarantee, right? I mean, that's all they're talking about going into the game. And then Dana gets an early interception. He forces a fumble, 14 tackles, two sacks, and just has an unbelievable game. And even Brent on the air, you know, Brent says, uh, you know, there's your – Buckus Award winner for 1994. <laughs> and so um, Mike Pearson, who was the SID, and I was uh, assistant, and we all got we kind of high fived each other when that was over because we all knew it was it was a roll of the dice, right? And so uh, very exciting time, and it became one of those great stories of lore in, in Illinois football history because it, he he had to back it up. He stuck his neck out, and the man gave yeah, him credit. He, he, it he up. stuck his neck out, yeah, I guess. But what did those guys expect him to say? To that question. Oh, yeah. no, no, we're down. We're not going to, you know, we're going to come back, probably lose two in a row. Yeah, and, and even Dana <laughs> says, you know, he kind of he kind of set me up on that one, you know, because he, he knows that the question was 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 yeah. no other way you could really answer it. And, right. Um, and it, but it was the way it was played and it was the way it was perceived. And, and uh, the team, it, you know, that was a stretch where we had Ohio State's number. Yeah, during yeah, sure did during that time period and, and is that uh, the Cooper coaching period? Um, Part of it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in 1888 we won five in a row, then yeah. we lost, and then we went back over and won this game, and so it and was it was the biggest <laughs> secret in Columbus. There was nobody in Columbus that knew that Illinois was beating them every year. Yeah. <laughs> they refused to acknowledge not, it. It was it wasn't recognized because <laughs> they get to the Michigan game, so well, we, we, you know, we lost a tough game to Michigan. Like Illinois didn't even count. <laughs> Here's a question for you: Who's the next Illinois Hall of Famer? You know, it's a great question. So the, the process is it's, – it's, it's a long process. And I've been telling Dana for several years because he's been on the ballot for five or six years, and I'm like, you just have to be patient. It's going to – it'll play out. And so the football foundation, you have to nominate. So the school has to nominate. Uh, you can only have three players from one school on, on a ballot. There's a – everybody who's a member of the National Football Foundation in, in, in our department, Josh is, I am, and um, I think Coach – the head football coach is and and so uh you ha uh, there's a vote and there's a there's a region so what we're a part of the chicago region so the all our votes go and and there's all these people who we've nominated go to the chicago region and they there's a group there who kind of sorts it out and puts forward who they think are the best candidates and and then there's this national vote and then there's a national committee who takes a look at all those votes and they sit down and they, they literally go through every person on the ballot and there's I don't know, 70 players on the ballot and decide if, they, if they're good or not, good enough to do it or not. But pro doesn't matter. Pro doesn't matter. It's what they did in their college group. So we have three players on, currently on the, on the ballot. Uh, Mo Gardner, Simeon Rice, and Kevin Hardy are okay. our three guys. And, and you also, to be eligible, you have to be a consensus All-American. So I saw Dana was quoting the story. You know, he threw out Jeff George's name, Jeff's not eligible uh, because he wasn't a, a consensus All-American. He was the number one pick in the NFL draft, but he wasn't consensus All-American. So you, there's some, there's some uh, you have to be a national award finalist or a uh, consensus All-American to be even considered uh, to be eligible. And so, um, and coaches, there's a 60%. You know, I tell you, we, we tried like heck to get Ray Elliott on the ballot. Um, 
uh, from a coaching standpoint, and his coaching uh, record just falls at 58%, and they won't take into effect the fact that it was during the war years. I mean, they just it's not doing it, and so. Uh, you know he can't. We can't get him on the coach's ballot. But those are our three players. Uh, I think you know, all three of them are, are eventually going to get in at some point. But it is very, very difficult. If you look at the list of people on those candidates, there's players from around the country who are unbelievable college players, and there are guys who are on there that played in the '60s and the '70s, early '80s, who put some crazy numbers and went on to have great but they're just on the ballot every year and they don't make it. It's tough. It's really tough. Speaking of Jeff George, today's his 51st birthday. Mm. Jeff George Sr. KB, we'll let you get to work. All right. I'm headed to State Farm Center. We're hoping to have Coach uh, Smith Levy here as a wrap-up press conference today. Is he going to announce an assistant coach? I don't think so. I don't think he's quite there. (laughs) He's been on the road all week. Defensive, okay. He's been on the road all week. He got back last night. Uh, He's been traveling, recruiting, and so he got back uh, late yesterday afternoon. Um, and I know they got a lot of recruits in, so there was a time that looked like it fit. So he's he's going to hopefully get started around 11 o'clock with, with Levy. Then we've got the game at 1 o'clock, and then volleyball at 3. And, uh, Keep on rolling. Yeah, so we, we can sound, take a breath uh, at some point about well, 5.30. Thanks, today. Kent. Drive, right. uh, drive slowly. We've got Tom Ackerman from KMOX coming up next, and we're going to talk about the, the goal. Yeah, you can listen to that on your I way I may have over. to go to Sirius XM <laughs> on, uh, on the way down. Kent Brown, everybody. It is uh, 10.32. We're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. Saturday Sports Talk continues with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Program brought to you by Illini Pella Windows and Doors. Thanks to Dana Howard, the newest one of the newest members to the College Football Hall of Fame, for spending some time with us in the first hour. Just completed a segment with Kent Brown, Assistant Athletic Director at the U of I, about everything going on these days, including a volleyball regional final this afternoon, Illinois and Wisconsin at 3 o'clock, Illinois basketball this afternoon against Nevada Las Vegas at the State Farm Center. So a busy uh, Saturday in December. Let's talk to our friend uh, Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. Happy holidays, Tom. How's it going these days? Well, things are going very well. Happy holidays to you. Two things. Thank you for playing the Grateful Dead going into this segment. <laughs> and secondly, let's see if the Illini, let's hope they can put together a good second half because I, I actually like this team, and I don't think their record reflects how good I think they could be, and I hope that they can put together a strong second half and knock off one of these teams. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on, but I want to start with Cardinal news. And uh, when I uh, contacted you earlier in the week and uh, set this interview up, the news hadn't broken yet. It broke maybe later that same day that uh, the trade is complete for Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Your thoughts on that? You were just anticipating what was going to happen, (laughs) the big news. No, it it was a great trade for the Cardinals. I mean, you know, if you really look at it, Carson Kelly's blocked for the next couple of years by a guy who's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, Kelly is, I think, a really good catcher. He's kind of regressed offensively, but I think he's going to be really good. And maybe a change of scenery helps him and Luke Weaver, who was really phased out of the rotation. But still, if he could develop a third pitch, would really be a strong major league starter, I think, for years to come. And you know, Andy Young's a power-hitting infielder, but the Cardinals seem to have a very strong farm system where they could uh, trade a lot of these players, and that's what they did. And a draft pick for a player who, speaking of Cooperstown, I mean, I think he's on his way. I mean, six straight all-star appearances. No one in the National League has done that uh, recently, and he's 
just uh, checks every box. He's the middle of the order hitter that they coveted since really Albert Pujols. He can play the position. He's a three-time Gold Glover, and visiting with him yesterday, he is the real deal, and he is a genuine, good person, and um, I, I think a, a someone who just fits perfectly with the culture. He's a student of the game. It's everything that the Cardinals want, and that they're trying to be aggressive here in 2019 to get back to the playoffs, and they've taken a big step forward here. Well, i got to ask, uh, what do you think the chances are of signing him beyond this next season? I think they're good. I mean, I think that they can right now, you know, just let the, the, the culture and the fan base take over within minutes yesterday. So he had his news conference yesterday at Bush stadium. And then we pulled him into our studio just down the hallway to do an interview with us and sat down with him and chatted with him for a good 10, 15 minutes. And I was really uh, amazed by his answers to questions like, why do you love baseball? And, answers you know where he said baseball is a metaphor for life and you you go through a lot of ups and downs and and through failure you learn and you know i mean it was just an incredible conversation with the guy and then he walks out of the studio and waiting in the hallway just happened to be there on it they're the luckiest tour group ever was a group of fourth and fifth graders that just swarmed <laughs> him and he started high-fiving and took a picture with them and it was i thought to myself what a great moment for these kids and then I thought aha St. Louis already in the recruiting process you know it, it's hard to when you're a player of that caliber um, you know it's hard to imagine a player not thinking about the possibility of free agency and what you could draw but I don't know that he does honestly I, I don't know that this is that type of guy I think that he just wants to be in a place where he can flourish, where he can be part of a community where his family can be comfortable. And St. Louis certainly would set up well. I don't think that the Cardinals will rush into it. And I don't think the Goldschmidt will rush into it. I think that the, the whole thing will sort of play itself out and the Cardinals will watch and see how he performs. I would anticipate he performs very well. And then at some point in the middle of the season, you circle back around and say, so what do you think? And is this something that could work? The Cardinals have used that approach in the past with several players, and it's it's done very well, most recently with Matt Holliday. And who's going to be the right fielder? Uh, Mr. Kelly here tells me that Fowler's going to get another shot or deserves another shot or should get another shot, but is that realistic? And what do you think? Well, I mean, they, Dexter Fowler makes about $50 million left on his contract, and that's going to be hard to move a player like that. Nobody's really going to take on that kind of money based on what he did last year and what he projects. But I think the Cardinals still think – that they might get something out of him. And so I would anticipate right now, if you looked at who's the right fielder today, if the season started today, it is Dexter Fowler. He's still on the roster. And Jose Martinez is still on the roster at the moment. So he would project as an option in right field. And so would Tyler O'Neill. Now those latter two could be traded. There's always that possibility out there that, that they could be attractive to somebody if you're, if you're looking for something in return. Um, to benefit your bullpen or or your offense, if you're looking for the left-handed bat that you covet, uh, those those last two are not it. Dexter is a switch hitter and, and provides some left-handed uh, ability there, but we just didn't see a lot last year. So perhaps they're banking on the fact that he could roar back and have a decent year in 2019. At the same time, I think you do need to look for a left-handed bat. 
and whether that's somebody who could spend some time out in right field also or come off the bench and be effective for you, that's, I think, where the Cardinals' focus is. Now, Bryce Harper, he's out there, and I think that everybody just assumes that the Cardinals are completely out on Bryce Harper. I don't think that's the case. I think that they will probably meet with Harper in Las Vegas, just as every other team seems to want to, and just sort of be on the periphery of it and see how the market develops. And if that were to work in the Cardinals' favor, then maybe, maybe they would make a run. But I, I, I doubt it at this point. I think they got the big bat that they need, and they don't need to chase Bryce Harper, but just sort of keep an eye on that. Well, you might throw something out there and make him say no, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the one thing is that it, it is an attractive place to play even more now that you have Paul Goldschmidt. So that's something, I guess. But it, it's really going to come down to money and writing a big check. And, and I don't know that the Cardinals can write a bigger check than what some of these others that seem to be in play would do, the Phillies or right. the Dodgers who have already met with Harper, et cetera. But, yeah, I mean, it's – it's out there, but I think more likely the Cardinals are going to try to find a left-handed bat for their bench, and more likely they're going to try to find a left-handed pitcher or two in their bullpen, and preferably somebody who could close. So a name that would that would kind of fit that would be Zach Britton. I, Andrew Miller is another pitcher who is very effective from the left side. I think that the Cubs will probably look at one or both of those also. So it's going to be interesting. That's this really was the winter meetings kind of gear up here in Vegas next week. I think that's where the Cardinals are are really focused on. Another couple of minutes with Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. Going to switch you to college basketball. The Bragging Rights game coming up in a couple of weeks down there. Tell me what you've seen of the Missouri Tigers thus far. I see they're six and three on the season. Well, see here again. I think the, this is what Illinois is going to do. They're going to they'll win the game today. They'll play a complete game. Then they'll start to pick up some momentum, and then they'll beat Missouri at Enterprise Center. As well, it always seems to happen. They they get they get it going. You're like, I don't know how good is this Illinois team, and then they come out and play their best game of the season against Missouri. Uh, but now this Missouri team's good. I think that they are still trying to figure out who they are after losing Jonte Porter. It's a big loss. Jonte was going to be one of the more versatile forwards in the SEC. He can do a little bit of everything. He was going to be a much better player than the one that you saw last year. And he was good last year. But taking on a more leading role, his ability to pass, rebound, shoot, all that stuff is out the window because now he's out for the season. So you lean on Mark Smith um, to sort of develop. And the former Illinois guard, I think, has found a nice home. And he can he can score. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, he can do those things for you. But really, the player – and Smith had 14 points last night. And, and kind of, you know, what he's doing, he's he's been efficient. They've been able to spread the scoring around and spread shooting attempts around. There's not one player on this Missouri team who's going to take, you know, 12, 15 or so sh- shots. I mean, you're talking more like 8 or 10 kind of across the board. And, and the one player who's been very efficient, I think, early on is Jeremiah Tillman and maybe one of the more important players. The problem that Tillman has is he fouls a lot, and he still does it. And, you know, yesterday, early in the second half, he committed his third foul. you got to take him out of the game. They won the game against Oral Roberts pretty handily, but, you know, they've got to figure out a way to get Jeremiah Tillman out of foul trouble. He's a a very good forward for them. If he does uh, stay in the game, I think they're a much, much better team. Kevin Purrier is kind of that versatile player, more experienced, 
that you need and that needed to step up with Jonte out. And then just overall, you know, their guard play, you need to see more offensive production out of players like Watson and Pinson, some of these younger players that they want to see, uh, you know, step up and hit some big shots along with Mark Smith and Jordan Geist. The Missouri team is good. How good can they be, I think, is still out there. Well, I think it uh, comes down in, in the Illinois game, who avoids fouls the longest <laughs> or who fouls yeah. the quickest is going to lose probably. That's Illinois's got the same problem and maybe more severe right, than, I mean, than, even, than even Missouri. But have you ever seen a team play another team that had three guys that committed to Illinois playing on the Missouri team? In <laughs> fact, one of them even attended here. I mean, Pickett uh, and crazy. Tillman and <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, absolutely. And, you know, as soon as Mark Smith transferred to Missouri, I said, oh, boy, the bragging rights game just got interesting. And then, of yeah. course, when he was made eligible, that, that made it even more interesting for this year. Yeah, that, that makes for a little more spice. I just love that game so much. I've been going since I was a little kid, I mean, way, way back, um, you know, to the to the early 80s, to, to those uh, Norm Stewart, Lou Henson battles and – I am just excited to see this year. It's always a great atmosphere, and you're absolutely right. Because of that electric atmosphere, and for a lot of these players, it's their first time playing in it, your adrenaline is up and your tendency to foul goes up. You know, Playing under control and patient kind of goes out the window in this game. It can be a pretty wild, especially first half. And uh, sometimes, you know, a different shooting background and kind of, you know, it's kind of get into it a little bit, try to figure out, what's going on. It seems like every year Illinois gets off to a great start in this game. And then Missouri's engine starts to fire a little bit in the middle of the game and it's too late. So we'll see kind of where this goes, but I think no matter what the records are and where they're ranked, it's always a highlight on the St. Louis sports calendar. And it always seems to be a highlight for Illinois fans because they show in, in strong numbers every year, regardless of where that team is. That's Tom Ackerman, KMOX in St. Louis. Always good to visit with you, my friend. We'll do it again soon. My pleasure, and we'll see what the Cardinals do next. I think they have a few more moves left in them. Well, if they do, you'll be hearing from us. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll be on. All right. Thanks, Tom. We appreciate it. Tom Ackerman, KMOX in St. Louis. Need to take a break. We'll do that and be back with more after this. Join us later today on this Saturday, 1130, for Illini game day, 1 o'clock tip-off, Illinois and UNLV at State Farm Center today. 10.51 on Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Let's go back to the phones real quick. Marty, I'm going to tell you, we're a little bit tight on time, so uh, let me know your thoughts. Is that your way of telling me I'm long-winded? Well, not necessarily, but... uh, when you okay. call when you call in the last eight or nine minutes, it, it uh, I know it's I know. a little tough. Uh, good show. Uh, interesting thing about to happen, I think. Um, the Cardinals have not spent a lot of money, and with even after they've got their new TV revenue in, they have a load of cash. Where the team up north, which probably has a better position player mix, is kind of strapped for cash right now. I'd be interested to see if the Cardinals would go after both Britton and Miller uh, because they could afford to do it. They don't have any free agent worries until next year when it now becomes Goldschmidt, Walker, Nicholas, et cetera. What do you think about grabbing both those left-handers? I I don't have any idea what they're thinking. I, I, you got me. I, I'm all for it if they can do it, but I, I don't know. I just don't have any idea what's going on that way. 
it will Lauren. be it will be interesting to see what if anything else they do do um i just said do do they'll have to do something steve yeah i think so they, they need have. some they need some left-handed help in in the bullpen and maybe a left-handed bat that uh whether it's in the starting lineup well, or not and they also have to think about closing because they're not sure if uh their young right-hander is ready to do that or not even though he's got stuff he did it all last year yeah, <laughs> why he wouldn't he do it again this year well, you know, things change from year to year. It's kind of like basketball and football. Guys don't, especially relief pitchers, don't necessarily do the same thing. That's every true. Year. That's really true. But I like to have you bring a guy up from Class A to to pitch in the major leagues, and he does well. I wouldn't know any reason why you should feel you negative you about I, it. I like him. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. But uh, I'd like to get those two left-handers out in the market. Figuring one of them might have an off year, but one of them won't. Anyway, just a thought, and uh, I like uh, where the the basketball team's going if they can teach people not to foul. <laughs> that's a big, uh, big, that's a big problem. Yeah, they're, they're working on yes, that, believe yeah. me. Hey, Marty, thanks. Good no, to hear young. from you. They're young. Bye-bye. You bet. Maybe squeeze one more call in. Uh, Eric in Champaign. Hey, Eric. Hey, morning, guys. Uh, just a question. I noticed in the local news the uh, Jacardier Wright was the, the player of the year in the uh, local area, uh, but doesn't have any offers from Illinois but other Big Ten schools. What's the... Uh, story with that don't don't know the back uh, story on that uh, don't know if there was uh, any offer or not apparently there's not but uh, don't know what the situation is what the coaches might think but I know that uh, Iowa has been on him for quite a long time I think uh, mm-hmm. some folks maybe might be looking at him not necessarily as a running back um, so I'm not sure what the situation is here and obviously if you ask a coach they, they really can't tell you at this point so I, I guess we'll just kind of wait and see what happens with that Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yep. Not much of an answer, I know, but uh, it's really. If it isn't a defensive tackle, I don't care. <laughs> I said that every week. Until we get defensive tackles, it doesn't matter. If yeah. you get whipped up front, you can't win. That's why somebody asked me if they were recruiting uh, somebody. I can't remember who it was, but I said, does he play defense? <laughs> Otherwise, we're probably uh, not real interested in him. Tell me a little side story, a little backstory on the uh, basketball coach at. Nevada, well, Marvin Menzies, the coach of UNLV, was yep. former at New Mexico State, and when Lou Henson was down there several years ago, uh, he asked Lou to help him, and, and they met uh, extensively, and Lou attended practices, and, and uh, it was, uh, I think, Lou, the last year that Lou spent a, a lot of time down there all winter uh, with that basketball team, with that New Mexico State team, and so they worked, so Lou knows him really well, Marvin Menzies. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Nevada Las Vegas is 4-3 and three on the season, the Illini two and seven that game at one o'clock this afternoon need to take one final break we'll take uh, that and be back with some final words after this stay with us and that next Illini basketball action comes up this afternoon at one o'clock our pregame coverage begins at 11 30 of course Illinois volleyball this afternoon as well the Illini the number three seed in uh, the tournament, takes on uh, number six, Wisconsin, three o'clock. Both teams winning yesterday in uh, sweeps, three nothing sweeps. Illinois beat Marquette, Wisconsin over San Diego. Also news this week of uh, Illinois basketball alumni naming a scholarship in honor of Lou and Mary Henson. That's uh, a nice story. Some uh, a couple of former players involved in that as well. Uh, Larry Lubin, uh, one of those guys involved in that. So a nice scholarship being set up in uh, the name of uh, Larry, or in the name of Lou and Mary Henson for basketball athletes to come back and finish up 
their degrees. That's going to take care of things on Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by Illini Fella. Thanks to Dana Howard for joining us for a few minutes. Kent Brown spent some time with us, and we talk Cardinal Baseball with Tom Ackerman as well. On WDWS, Champaign-Urbana for Lauren Tate, this is Steve Kelly. Appreciate your listening, as always. Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon right here.